I'm sorry I'm late. The elevator was broken. Welcome back, everyone, to River Heights Radio. I'm Carl Hauser. And I'm Hope Busby. And we're here today to talk about our favorite... Arm locking. Napkin gathering. Gong ringing. Sunbather. Nancy Drew. The mystery of the brass bound trunk. Regular listeners will remember that this mystery was suggested by a soldier from the audience who knew that it would happen. It was a different brass bound trunk mystery. It must have been because he's not involved at all. <laughs> nope. We begin this book with a bunch of Dutch people saying have a good trip to a bunch of people on a cruise ship. Nancy Drew visited Amsterdam mm. and she's heading back to New York. So she had a whole adventure that we just missed. Maybe yeah. the mystery of the brass bound trunk is how she got the trunk that she owns yes, now. Yes. We learned that these are three attractive girls. In this book, Nancy is strawberry blonde rather than titan haired. I'm going to try to do a graph to figure out how that affects each book. As Nancy Drew scans the cheering Bon Voyage Dutch people. None of whom the girls knew, but all of whom the girls were waving to. She sees a guy speaking sign language for the deaf. This is going to come up a lot in this book. We don't necessarily know if this is the correct term, but the book refers to signing the alphabet as the finger language that's the primary thing they call sometimes it. they say the sign language so we'll probably refer to it mostly as finger language because they don't use signs they only spell things presumably because it's like international waters and they speak different languages or because they just didn't take the time to learn the whole asl yeah we never do find out how much the villains know maybe they know the letters that she knows and that explains how she's able to translate this is also true so nancy <laughs> drew makes it clear that she at one point learned the sign language alphabet two years ago but she forgot everything except the letters in her own name which i think is pretty good i was constantly surprised by how applicable those letters would end up as i looked at the pictures of what the letters are there are some like nancy you shouldn't have forgotten l <laughs> it's an l she's learned a lot since then about oak trees there's only so many facts you can keep if you know w <laughs> you should know v it's it's the same concept she notices that this man is <laughs> signing Nancy Drew. Specifically, Eware, Nancy Drew, and Ne. How strange. What does he mean by that? Yeah, when she sees her name, she's like, does that pertain to me in some way? I wonder. Nancy is so engrossed in seeing whatever she can of this gentleman that she almost dives really completely overboard. Yeah, she's leaning over to catch both this gentleman and see if she can see anyone else doing the signing. The picture has her throwing herself headlong off this cruise ship. We've already shared it on Instagram. It's worth checking out. Luckily, Bess pulls her back. Bess asks, what were you trying to do? And Nancy says in a pretty big understatement, that was silly of me. <laughs> I suggest we split up and do some sleuthings. Nancy says to her friends, listen, I'll stay here. You search the top deck, Bess. George, you take the bottom deck and I, I'm fine. I'll stay here. <laughs> As is her usual tact. And what are they looking for? If there are two or more deaf people together, they might still be speaking in the finger language. Not only does Nancy not go to a different floor, but she gives up the search well before her friends. Just immediately goes to her room. Ends up in the room, shocked to find there 
the captain's niece, Nelda Detweiler. A person who, I would like to point out, has a lot of letters in her name from Nancy's that we didn't see. I guess Nancy just stopped looking too soon. Here I wanted to briefly mention that in the original version of this book in the 1930s novel mm-hmm. it was more of a direct sequel from the topping hills they were all set to go on a school trip but one of the mothers showed up and was like no feminist people like you nancy are going to influence my daughter so nancy's like okay i won't go on the school trip but she just goes with bess and george on the side just on the same trip yeah her daughter the one she's supposed to stay away from is nostalgia Strelda Darlington. That's a name. No surprise, her mom ends up being the villain. There's three ND trunks that get passed all around. The mother is smuggling jewelry. That's why she didn't want Nancy there. It had nothing to do with feminism. Yeah. Apparently, Nostralda was pretty instrumental in helping solve the whole thing and then was just like left alone and orphaned in a foreign country at the end of the book. <laughs> well, these things happen. <laughs> yes. But in here, we have Nelda. We meet Nelda, and she is from Johannesburg, South Africa. I don't know the politics of the time. This is a white girl from South Africa uh, in a book about jewel thieves. I don't, I, I, I don't know. Pretty privileged from the sound of it. Going to college in America. Got, yeah. Well, got enough jewels to be threatened about it, but we'll get to that. We find out she's also attractive. Yeah, the book has described all four girls as attractive, which you know what that means. They're all more attractive from being near each other. Yeah. It's just like a hottie squad now. It's the cheerleader effect. Nancy is torn because she doesn't know whether to trust this new girl. She's a beautiful girl and charming, and she has large brown eyes, a soft musical voice. Nancy likes her at once, but she might be a spy. Even though she's so lovely, I just can't believe there's anything dishonest about her. She decides to tell Bess and George, be on the alert. Still a little warning. Yeah, which she never does. They just decide to trust her. Yeah, well, because she shares her secret. Because she's lovely and a little sad. Sad people don't do crimes. We've learned that. (laughs) So there's a loud man who's like, where'd my trunk go? Blur, blur, blur. And Nancy goes to be like, "Uh, it's this one because this isn't mine. Yeah, Nancy got the wrong trunk. He disappears and Nancy says, in what is one of the most common phrases of the book, that's strange. That's strange. Now Nancy's trunk has ND on it, but no stickers. So there's no way to identify whose wrong trunk this is, other than probably it was that guy's. We don't know. Why did he disappear? That's strange. We meet the steward, Heinrich. He just pushes his way into their living quarters. He's a complete creeper. It's just so unsettling to me that these four girls don't have the autonomy to keep this weird man out of their room. There was this sense of warning to it, like, don't travel without men escorts. The only reason they're okay at all is that Nelda rooms with them randomly, and her uncle is the captain, so in a way she does have a male guardian. And later Nancy, through her not-boyfriend of the book, kind of creates a male guardian but But it's still dangerous for them not to have one the steward's eyes rested on nelda for a longer time than all the others nancy wondered if there was any significance in this yeah nancy he likes her she's prettier than you she is pretty and and this begins a theme where nelda is a rival for nancy not in the sense that they have a rivalry but she is as attractive as nancy she is as cool as nancy she plays a better game of ping pong she's a pretty good detective yeah she beats nancy at all the sports we've never seen that 
she's just as good at even the things we know Nancy to be exceptional at, like swimming. Luckily, she has the respect to bow out at the end of the book and not continue to upstage our poor detective. Seeing that there are no stickers makes Nancy respond, this is really strange. And, there it is. And Nelda agrees this is very odd. Best suggests that the stickers just got knocked off by accident. Nancy says, you could be right, but she didn't sound convinced. Now we meet the purser. I didn't actually look up what that is. He seems like the lost and found guy almost. I think he's like a, just caters to the whims of people. Y'all know you've been on a cruise, the purser. This purser, he's suntanned and good looking, and he insists that Nancy call him Rod. He's our not boyfriend of the book. <laughs> he's also twice the age of Nancy. Oh my God, it's so weird. He really ingratiates himself into her life. He's not just the boyfriend of the book. I would argue he's the Ned of the book. Like, I mean, aren't they all? Some of them more than others. If he didn't live a life at sea. So he informs her there's only two NDs and they're both living in the same room, this trunk shouldn't exist, basically. Yeah, it's an absolute mystery. Nancy suddenly realizes not finding her trunk is the real problem, not this mystery trunk. Because? Wouldn't it be dreadful if she had no clothes to wear on this trip? No clothing on the whole cruise. I mean, it's okay because it's a cruise. It's a cruise. You're fine. Wear pajamas. <laughs> Wear pajamas to the buffet, get a drink, go back to your room. You're fine. <laughs> she decides she trusts Rod. The chief purser has a list of all persons aboard with any kind of physical disability. We try to give them special attention. It's so gross and condescending. This book skirts around ever having any real reason to include deaf people because it doesn't include deaf people. Yeah, and the way he talks about it when she asks if there's anyone deaf on board, like A, he would just divulge it, and B, the kind of special attention he's talking about. It sounds like they're going to like help the deaf people down the stairs or something. Like, what are you doing? The best thing they could do is give them translators, in which case probably tell Nancy the list of translators. But also, there's a lot of languages being spoken, primarily Dutch, and many people on board don't speak that. So unless they're providing translators in general, I don't know what kind of special attention the deaf community might need on a cruise ship. Whenever we have someone on board who can't hear, we have uh, a gang of jewel thieves who'll do ASL for them, so. Nelda offers her clothes to Nancy. Very nice. People are just, everybody is offering Nancy their clothes. She's the every size. Nelda insists she try on what is referred to as a South African native's costume. Oh God. It is a sheath. It has gay red flowers embroidered on it. It also has a wide sash of gold with a fringe on each end that is meant to be a belt. Ah. She ties it very tightly around Nancy's slender waist. And there are gold-colored sandals. Bess is a little bit confused. Mm -hmm. She wonders, who in South Africa would wear a costume like this? All the pictures I've seen of the natives... Oof. Show dark colored clothes. Bess has been looking through her National Geographics, her Nat Geos, and uh, she knows that if you're in South Africa, you're usually wearing gray and sad. <laughs> What's this all about? George giggles. I can just see Nancy going to the dining room for breakfast in this getup. What a stir that would cause. 
The others laughed. Nelda decides Nancy must wear it to the costume party. It's just so insulting. This is what we talk about every Halloween. Don't be culturally appropriative. It's not cool. Nancy doesn't even win first prize. George wins first prize at the contest. Because she's funny rather than appropriative. Yeah. Bess teases Nancy. Don't captivate some young man and get your poor friend Ned Nickerson at home all worried. (laughs) But Nancy says not a chance because what Ned does not know will not worry Ned. She says not a chance before immediately saying, hey, do you know who the best looking man on board is so far? It's, It's Rod Havelock. It's the purser. Best. Well, there's no law in the high seas to prevent you from dancing with him, is there? Nancy, these are international waters. You'll find there are no laws out here. (laughs) Nancy says, oh, I'm sure there isn't. But sometimes officers are not allowed to mingle with passengers socially. Besides. Anyways, he's probably married and has half a dozen children. Which is her acknowledging that even though she probably doesn't know he's exactly 30 years of age, she understands he's older than her. But that doesn't ever come up again. But like... Like never checks the power dynamics here with him being the purser and being twice her age are just pretty messed up it's very Mm. dangerous out there okay and there are no laws at any rate the teasing went on for several minutes between these girls but there's a knock at the door and nancy cannot answer the door in this costume how shameful what a stir that would cause so she has to change really quick Mm -hmm. and it's a white envelope for nelda george says bad news nelda says oh dear i've been followed nancy's instinct told her to help the sobbing girl basic empathy any amount of empathy from any person yeah yeah mm. it's a crying person mm. your instinct but nelda says my problem is a big secret i can't tell you but george reassures her you don't know nelda but nancy is an amateur detective if your problem is some kind of a mystery we're sure she can help you solve it no matter how difficult it is it's so weird to even say to someone if your problem is a mystery luckily yeah her problem's a mystery (laughs) this line is reused from the previous book in which one of nancy's co-actors says you don't know it mr skank but nancy's an amateur detective my problem is a secret a great secret but i'm sure i can entrust it to you george of course you can nelda promise (laughs) the girls swear the girls all nodded yes yeah (laughs) so nelda's big secret you know when you get framed for jewelry theft nelda was looking at some jewels and she Mm -hmm. sees a man pocketing a bunch of jewelry in a shoplifting manner which first of all if you see someone shoplifting you didn't see that no you didn't no as he goes to leave nelda decides that the right choice is to run after him yelling stop thief but he gets away the police are called and when they arrive the saleswoman's like nelda stole stuff she's the stealer it was her she's shifting the blame and the police are like well then we're gonna search your pockets she's she's, like sure i have nothing to hide fourth amendment nelda don't do that she was in south africa oh right what is it is it the sixth over there she's searched the stolen jewelry on her right away nelda is impressed with nancy because nancy points out do you think maybe that woman framed you what (laughs) i can see why you're a detective i'll bet that is exactly what happened like yeah no this you know someone put that in your pocket (laughs) 
This is the important part. Nelda received a threatening letter. It was not signed, but the writer said that she should turn over all the precious jewelry in her family or she would be harmed. Now, like, that's the person who's talking to her on the ship. And there's just no reason to connect that to the previous incident. Nelda is loaded enough that people are after her family's jewelry. She's also loaded enough that she could afford a defense lawyer good enough to get the charges dropped, even though she was caught red-handed. So this jewelry thief, since Nelda knows what he looks like and has described him to them. And because she received another threatening letter saying that they know she's trying to escape to America and they still want that jewelry. Therefore, the jewelry thief must be on board. So they all split up and search for this jewelry thief and do not find him, obviously, before they need to start going to dinner. They're going to have dinner at the captain's table, as it turns out. In the only reference to Bess being the food person, Bess reminded her friends that it was almost time for dinner. George says, I'm starved. So, like... It's not so bad, this book. I feel like they brought her back to, like, the practical person that makes sure everyone gets taken care of. Haven't seen that in a few books. So they meet Captain Detweiler, the uncle. He's a tall, burly man who they liked immediately. I think he's a big flirt with everybody. I think he's maybe bi, Uh. but I really ship him and Rod Havelock. I think you're just imagining a, a, a big man in a Hawaiian shirt with a curly mustache. I'm definitely, like, imagining full, like, regalia of a sea captain. Oh, you know? okay. His off hours, though. You gotta imagine a Hawaiian shirt. Big hairy chest. Is this just me? I had not imagined him out of his uniform. You're being more realistic. Good job. Thanks. <laughs> Bess decides to uh, let everyone know what a wordsmith she is, hearkening back to her nerdy roots. We saw men of every size. Some were dark, some were blonde, but none was our prize. George, but you'll get the prize for best cornball poet of the year. Nancy sighed. Nancy said enough of this. Okay, so Bess goes on. We better watch our step, especially Nelda, dear. But never, never fear. We'll catch that bad man yet. What is your rhyme scheme, Bess? (laughs) The book refers to it as a dog girl, so I guess she's off the hook because it's specifically not a good poem. The other girls laughed. (laughs) They meet Sarah Jane Ramsey and a bunch of other girls. I don't know why we have to know Sarah Jane Ramsey's name. She comes up one more time in the book. Three names, though. That's serial killer stuff, right? (laughs) Yeah. Everybody's just offering her their clothes. Nancy, have our clothes, please. And one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen in any novel, and I'm going to have to look to see if this has any historical precedence. (laughs) Bess says, look, look. There's a bright object descending from the sky at lightning speed. Nelda says, it must be a meteor, and it's going to land on this ship. George exclaimed, we'll all be killed. And it seems like set up to be a cliffhanger, and maybe there is no meteor. It's right at the end of the chapter, so I'm fully expecting to turn the page and see, like, it was fireworks, or someone had dropped a football from the upper levels. No. It's a meteor. It's a meteor. It's a meteor, guys. Everyone on deck freezes in fear. Then they panic. As we know, the women screamed. The men shouted warnings. And the children cried. The three things you can do. Yeah. But 
The fright was over quickly. This whizzing meteor hits the ocean, just missing the ship. Causing a tidal wave. There are many people injured, including nearby Nancy and her friends, an old woman who has hurt her back. So much hectic stuff going on. And stuff that doesn't just affect them. Like, it affects a whole ship. Yeah. So they carry this lady to the infirmary, and then they go back to the room, and all were exhausted from the shock. And it's one of the few times we see them talk about the trauma of something they were living, what the aftermath of that would be, and how they might handle it. (laughs) Yeah. Even though they go through traumatic things all the time. Nelda, what a dreadful experience we have been through. Bess, ever the empath, just think how many fish and plants were killed or badly shocked by it. (laughs) Yeah, Bess, I bet a lot of plants were shocked when that meteor hit. (laughs) Let's just think about that for a second. Nancy was thoughtful. She admitted she had been frightened. And then she decides to change the subject. Who can give me a nighty? George shows off her nighty, which is very old fashioned. She reveals that she's gonna sew mice all over it. For the costume party. Bess gives her a better alternative, a pale blue silk nighty. Yeah, Nancy sees the old fashioned one and is like, gosh, it's so good. I'd hate to wrinkle it. Yo, this is your costume. Nancy teases Bess. Maybe I won't give this nighty back to you. It's so nice. And Bess says, hey, I didn't know you were a thief. I did like the banter in this one quite a bit. The light banter helped the girls after their harrowing experience. Before each girl went to sleep, she said a prayer, which is a little nod to their Christianity when they can't go to church on a ship. I love they, they specifically say a prayer of thanks for being unhurt at a time when there might have been a great catastrophe. Thank you, God, for that meteor not hitting us. <laughs> Now we get to meet Lou the locksmith, because the captain specifically sent Lou by so that he could help open this mystery chest. The idea is if they can open it, they can find some sort of identifying information inside. But the captain's like, I don't have time to be there, but I'll send the ship locksmith by. This is another ivory necklace situation where at some point and gradually this trunk belongs to Nancy. We want to get it back to the guy, but... Never mind, it's ours now. Later when we do our mini-sode about Togo, the same thing happens with that dog. Mm -hmm. Something comes into Nancy's possession. She'll make the gestures at trying to get it back to its owner, but it's hers. Yeah. So Lou the locksmith is a small, talkative Dutchman. Lou says to Nancy, you lost the key? Nancy did not answer. So when he finally gets this trunk open, which is quite a trick, he says, well, well, men's clothes. Are you masquerading? Or perhaps you are part of a traveling theater group. (laughs) Bess giggled, and the other two girls frowned. (laughs) Then Nancy smiles, guess again. Lou was not sure what she meant by that. No one was. Nancy proceeds to practically shove him out the door, shoving some gilders into his hands and thanking him. Thank you, thank you. Bye, 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 bye. Immediately, Heinrich, the steward, comes in. Just shoves his way in. Lou told me to check on you. I, what was, was Lou like, hey, those girls have pants in there. <laughs> Go see what they're up to. Yeah, like, they might have a boyfriend stashed under their bed. Oh my God. So he stares at the trunk and then he says, your boyfriend's clothes? Smirking at Nancy. George says, no and pushes him out. No, we have pants because we're planning on releasing a cat later and we want to (laughs) climb up the rafters to get it. It's all part of our costume show at the costume party. It could be. (laughs) George, I'm afraid your reputation will be ruined forever. Heinrich will spread the word around that you have a boyfriend stashed away under your bed. Nancy, I'll set them straight. I'll 
I'll tell them he's yours, not mine. <laughs> so now that the chest is unlocked, they immediately call the captain, who's like, I'll be right down. Yeah, now all of a sudden he's not busy. Now you have time? Yeah, it's very strange. Uh, I, I gather that he's the government on this ship. Like, he doesn't... He's like, the he, law. It's a trunk that he can open. In these lawless waters, he's the law. Best notes that it's a working man's trunk on the bottom and an executive's on the top. Yeah, all sorts of strange outfits and a wig even. They decide, I believe the owner of this trunk wears disguises for some reason. Perhaps one that isn't entirely honest. To which the captain says, sounds logical. Then she gets word that Havelock wants her to come see him, which she decides might be a hoax. And this is a waste of many pages <laughs> as she makes sure that she's not going to get hoaxed or rused. And it was just Havelock having someone else call her because when he called, the line was busy. The amount of times that they're so cautious not to be hoaxed or rused mm-hmm. compared to the time when later they are <laughs> so easily hoaxed and rused <laughs> mm-hmm. is ridiculous. The captain says to Nancy, I leave this mystery in your hands. I'm sure you'll solve it. Nancy, it has us puzzled, but we'll do our best. (laughs) Rod says, hey, we found your trunk, but you better go identify it in the hold. We don't want another mix up. Just have someone bring it up. What what weirdness is this? They're lazy. Nancy and George walk all the way down to the hold, and they're fascinated by the huge fire pits, the pipes, the myriads of electrical wires, the gigantic pipes which held fresh drinking water. They're also fascinated by the puddles of oil. George foreshadowingly says, we'd be a mess if we fell here. Nancy and George get to the hold. They have Peter, a Dutch man who can't speak much English, help them into the hold to get this trunk. They're almost to the trunk. And the ship lurches, a mighty lurch. They all fall and the lights go out. The crewman cried out in pain. George was silent and Nancy could not move. The picture shows like a box four times her size mm-hmm. just resting on her. Peter says, ring gong by door. Nancy moves an enormous box off of herself <laughs> and then in the pitch black makes it to the door to ring this gong in this absolute obstacle course of other people's luggage. It was hard going, but Nancy urged herself on. Hurry, Peter cried. I'm trying. <laughs> Nancy practically spits, snaps, snaps yeah. at him. She hits the gong. This other guy comes running. She says, I think Peter is hurt and my friend maybe too. My friend's hurt or, you know, or she's chilling. Peter is face down under a crate moaning in pain. Nancy lifts this crate from the man and helps him stand up. Now she's like, please come and help me find my friend. She must be unconscious. Sure enough, George's eyes were closed and she did not move. She may have hit her head. We must have her taken to the infirmary. She needs attention right away. So finally, a head injury is being convincingly portrayed and actually taken seriously. Give her a steak and a nap. She'll be fine. Oh my god. Nancy is getting desperate. She says, oh George, please wake up. And then she has a horrible thought. Suppose George's injuries had been fatal and she faints. Room goes black. The one thing to push Nancy over the edge is her friends. It's very sweet. She wakes up in the infirmary and they give her a hot drink, which is tea, cinnamon, sugar, and something very bitter. Kind of sounds like chai. I'm guessing it's some kind of Dutch tea. I'm thinking it's chai with whiskey, but. <laughs> she remembers George. Her voice gets tense. That's how you know she's upset. <laughs> what happened to my friend? Turns out George is okay, but she does need to be monitored for 24 hours. 
like you probably do after a head injury. Yeah. Uh, right then, Nancy decides to call Bess to tell her what's up. And Bess is very upset. They've been having their own difficulties. Two men came to rob us. So Nancy hurries back to the room. Turns out two plumbers showed up, blondish beards and mustaches. And when they saw the trunk, they attacked and tried to take the trunk. Luckily, the girls screamed them off. Nancy doubted that the beards were real, but she did not say anything and tried to calm the nervous girls. I love their response to this, which is, we should call Rod so he can give us some advice as to what we should do about this. It's the most understated thing. Like, we've been robbed. We need advice. Mm-hmm. Not like we need to report it or we need help. Someone should tell us what's the next step here. Bess is finally learning about George's state. She's just sobbing, already being stressed out. She's like, oh, my poor cousin. She's easily reassured when she tells her how it is. Bess says, oh, that isn't so bad. <laughs> Rod is there asking, can you identify the men? Bess and Nelda were sure they could, provided the men's beards were real. (laughs) Which, like, they're not, obviously. So you're saying you can identify the beards. Havelock says there's nobody in maintenance who looks like that. He calls them the so-called plumbers. They might be an artist in disguise. And uh, he comes up with a plan. Yeah, where are they going to hide this trunk so it's safe from everyone else? How about in the empty cabin next door? Oh, the one that Nelda could have stayed in by herself? Right, so apparently the adjoining cabin (laughs) was booked, but the couple never showed up. And like, if that was a possibility this whole time, why didn't you have Nelda wait to (laughs) claim her room? And maybe stay somewhere not with three strangers. (laughs) It all worked out. Her uncle's like, she has such a hard time making friends. Nancy says to Rod, that's a great idea. Then we can examine the trunk further. I really can't believe someone would want these clothes so bad that they would threaten people. Rod suggests they have a quote unquote date to open this trunk. Yeah, it'll have to be a time when no one else is around to see. How about uh, 2.30 (laughs) a.m.? Which is apparently when Rod gets off of work. Yeah, I guess. He's he's like running karaoke till then. Because this is the time usually that things happen in this book. Nancy is excited at the prospect of the adventure and also about having her own clothes. Also about being alone with Rod. The three girls tried to sleep, but it was hopeless. Nelda wonders, can we trust Heinrich? Bess says, I think he's honest, merely inquisitive, and Bess is right, my friends. Spoiler alert. Yeah, Heinrich's just a creep. Rod Rod decides. Decides. And I kind of like this. Decides they all need to know where the keys are and the keys need to be hidden. And they all decide to hide them in a tiny door at the back of the wardrobe. Now they're on their 2.30 a.m. date going down to the hold. The men on duty nodded to Havelock, but did not ask any questions as a couple headed for the hold. Little red flag there. How many times has this uh, has this gentleman, this 30-year-old, gone at 2.30 a.m. with some teenager down to the bowels of the ship? Definite Titanic vibes here. Yeah. The movie, not the thing obviously he just has such a pure and perfect reputation that they don't bat an eye yeah i mean probably yeah (laughs) you don't believe me (laughs) nope so he says to nancy you look like a strong girl (laughs) so she can help him uh move some of the trunks but there's something in their way a rat. rat It's between the boxes, and Nancy's freaked out. It's stuck! Rod's like, we'll we'll just pull them apart and it'll run away. But it doesn't run away. Suddenly, Nancy began to laugh. Rod, he's dead! It's just the 
most macabre joke that I think I've seen in a Nancy Drew thing. If I could get a Nancy Drew quote tattooed on me. Oh no! Nancy began to laugh. Rod, he's dead. (laughs) Oh no. Uh, Rod says, the joke's on us, all right. And then he grabs this rat by its tail and just flings it aside. That's healthy. The larger rats will enjoy that. And so Havelock, carrying the chest with Nancy, says, Are you sure there isn't part of a gold mine from South Africa in there? Nancy laughed. No, but I bought a lot of gifts and souvenirs. She did assure her companion that she was strong enough to carry the trunk with his help. When she gets back to the room, Nancy is jubilant. And she says, We got it! And Bess does not care. Bess slaps her jubilation out of her mouth and says, Nelda! is missing another several pages are wasted as they are looking for nelda and panicking about nelda being missing and they find her in the other cabin the empty cabin where she thought she would be safer because she did receive a threatening phone call which best slept through Mm -hmm. immediately they open the door and best says Mama, maybe she's dead. Oh, I can't stand it. She does say mama, maybe. It's great. <laughs> Rod says, uh, she's asleep. Best sobs, are you sure? And she's been talking to them for like five, five minutes. minutes. Yeah. There was no doubt that Nelda was wide awake. <laughs> At this point, <laughs> Nancy became sure. Havelock tells her, you better stay with the others from now on. Mm-hmm. She promises to do so. Nancy assures her that she and her friends will certainly protect her, which is another promise Nancy cannot keep. <laughs> Rod goes, well, only three hours of sleep for me. Every night they seem to keep Rod Havelock up to all hours. He must not have gotten more than nine or ten hours of sleep this whole week. <laughs> you can just imagine him just like smiling forcedly like anything for a guest just gets more and more ragged Bess has a horrible thought as they're about to go to sleep (laughs) it could have been me that guy could have thrown me overboard the hypothetical guy who said he would attack Nelda could have come into the room mistaken Bess for Nelda it could have been me that was shocked as a plant Nancy tried to make light of the matter but it stuck in her throat she realized it could have happened the security on this ship is pretty bad it's not great security if you're a plumber you can go anywhere i guess i don't know how close to a railing their (laughs) room is immediately adjacent they always refer to it as 128 and they write it out it's not numbers yeah we have to read those numbers a lot heinrich comes in and he's Stares some more at Nancy's brass-bound trunk. Bess remarks that he's snooping again. And George, not as good at reading people as Nancy and Bess, says, I have never trusted that man. I predict that one of these days we're going to find out he has something to do with the mystery. The George, solving things isn't your job. Don't do it. Nancy, he could be an informer and nothing more. Also wrong. He's nothing. He's nothing. He's nothing. He's just a steward. Lou shows up, trying to impress the lady with his key knowledge. Locksmith Lou. I bought something unique to show you. Recently, the Nancy Drew books have had sections of things they want to teach us about. Mm -hmm. Uh, Oh, here's the Morse code section. Oh, here's about carrier pigeons. Mm -hmm. Here's about ancient Egypt. I think the two things we have in this are the finger language Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. and locksmith keys. Yep. And that's the kind of what we what we learned on this adventure. Bess, fabulous. It would take a great brain to figure this out, not one like me, because Bess can't have good self-esteem. Fishing for compliments there. Lou keeps stealing glances at Nancy's trunk. Everyone wants to know about those pants. Nancy wondered whether or not he had come of his own volition. Ooh. Did he come to spy? The book says that showing off a lock and key would be the perfect cover-up. <laughs> Which, like... Not. No, so. it wouldn't. <laughs> First of all, you suspect him immediately. <laughs> Secondly, who does that? <laughs> they go to visit George, who is eager to leave and looking healthy, and a little bit disappointed to have been missing the action. She does ask them to wait for her to open the trunk again. The book offhandedly says, The three girls noticed an open magazine lying upside down on her bed and assumed she had been reading it. So, like, she's fine. What I think is funny about that is, like, what else would she have been doing with it? They're all detectives now. <laughs> and, yeah, they were sure her hours would pass quickly now. Yeah. Which, like, one magazine, I don't think George is... Like, somebody should stay with her. You don't know about George. She's not a, she's not a fast reader. They're not good friends. Imelda proceeds to hustle them at shuffleboard. Yeah, once again, Nelda beats them at everything. Nancy, presumably in a huff, because she's not winning, wanders off and notices a man alone in the corner using the sign language of deaf people. Could he be the same person who had been talking, in quotes, to the man on deck? So she makes out crew can NEC ace. All letters from Nancy Drew's name. Could that mean stolen jewelry? So she decides to approach the man. Pardon me, I saw you practicing the finger language. Are you deaf? If he was, she knew he could probably read her lips. I don't think is a fair thing to assume. No, the book just has to be like, we're, she's not dumb. Yeah. She knows that he can't hear her if he's deaf. It did seem like one of the novels where they feel the need to explain anything Nancy does. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you get one where you don't know at all what she's thinking. And sometimes you get one where you're just seeing all her thoughts. And sometimes you see one like this where the narrator's just like, trust me. No, she would have known. Like, she gets it. So this man is almost offended. He says, I can hear very well. I'm great at hearing. I'm the best of it. He tells her that he's trying to surprise his dad. Nancy's response to this is that's very nice. <laughs> she knows darn well he's lying and she's like why is he lying to me why would you even try that if, yeah if you don't give me your full personal life you are a suspect now he looks sharply at her do you understand the finger language i once learned to spell my own name that's all which is also a lie nancy because we know you learned the whole alphabet it's okay when nancy does it and the stranger leaves quickly she knows how to spell nancy drew that's about a third of what we've been saying <laughs> yes <laughs> Those are all the letters he knows. She tracks him, finds him giving money to Heinrich. This looks even worse for Heinrich. Is he bribing Heinrich for some reason? He shows no sign of guilt as he tells her, I bought some special candy for Mr. August in Holland and he just came to pay me. Bought some special candy (laughs) in in Amsterdam. So Heinrich you has a tell me. side hustle of drugs, which is, I think, hinted at a few different places in the coming clues, but never really. Rod will not give Nancy Mr. Otto August's room number, but he's like, follow me. It's such a huge amount of pretense mm-hmm. to lead her there, pause in front of the door, and then leave. 
Like, mm-hmm. what do, you, do you need plausible deniability? Just whisper it to her. It wouldn't be to his code. <laughs> yeah. She gets back to the room. Bess is like, what's up? Nancy's like, I'll tell you about it later. And Nelda's like, let's go swimming. As they're getting ready to go swimming, Nancy tells them everything. And Nelda says, you amaze me. They get to the swimming pool. And a red-haired boy named Al has the gall to say, You have certainly been avoiding us lately. Nancy laughed. We don't even know you. That's no reason to avoid us. Smooth as velvet. Oh my gosh. And it works so well. Because the next thing he says, and Nancy can't resist this, is why don't we race? And the next thing he says is why don't you be on my team, Nancy? He's in. And she agrees because she could not help but like the friendly boy. The not boyfriend rival of the group. <laughs> the one who's actually her age. Al's posse, in order from least to most ridiculous names, is <laughs> Bruce, Chipper, and Tubby. Tubby says, as always, poor Tubby winds up without a girl. Good naturedly. But I don't mind. <laughs> Many people gather around to watch because that's what you do is watch teens on our cruise. <laughs> it seems like every sport that they get active in, they draw a crowd. Whenever you get someone in the crowd yelling in a Nancy Drew book, it's always so delicious. One woman called out, this is the most fun I've seen since I climbed aboard. <laughs> the most fun you've seen? Well, hopefully you can have some on this cruise at some point. I forgot that they'd introduced some girl named Sarah Jane Ramsey, the serial killer. She did not stand my mind. So when I read Sarah Jane Ramsey came over and joined Nancy, I was like, who is this? <laughs> Should I know Sarah Jane Ramsey? Well, who she is is someone who really messes up because she asks Nancy if her suit is a Lochinvar special. Right. Which it is because Nancy bought that in Holland. But now Otto August, who is standing nearby, overhears that Nancy has her trunk back. So they walk away and Nancy says, did you notice that older man standing nearby? Medium height with a receding blonde hairline? He's Otto August. And I feel feel like as her friend i would be confused i would be like are you interested in him like rod's old enough nancy what yeah. what's going on here because if like she just stopped it did you notice that older man i'd be like yeah he's a creeper but like if she keeps going i'm like did you notice that older man yeah. mm, receding hairline <laughs> blonde hair just my type so she calls george who says sure i feel fine but i need my mice Nancy, what? Which is just such a best line that I had to double check. And then when I told you, you're like, are you sure it wasn't Bess? Yeah. But it's a phone conversation specifically between George and Nancy. Yeah. Bess says, cute, but those mice look too real to suit me. So they go back to the room. Right. And George is so excited to open this chest. She's like, I hope there's treasure inside. <laughs> like you guys have opened this thing already. I, I know you're going to look closer, but what are you expecting? At the dance, Rod says, I see I have a handsome rival and Nancy laughs as they glide off because Al is after her as well now. Creepy Rod that you think you have a rival in this teen boy. The whole evening was a joyful one for Nancy and her friends. They were claimed for every dance. Al asks Nancy to go to the lavish table of food and in one of the only descriptions of food in the book Tubby suggests have some of those delicious meatballs. Now, Tub, I thought you were staying away from all this fattening stuff, Chipper teased. Well, I had to try a little of each. Tubby's soaking up all the best, all the best hate. Al asks Nancy to dance again. Next to football, dancing is my favorite pastime. <laughs> 
<laughs> I feel like less smooth than your first line, but okay, okay. Mm-hmm. So they go back to the room. Nancy gets a Turkish towel. She puts it under the door and she says, now no one will suspect we're in here. But also speak quietly. She's thought of everything. Bess giggles. I hope Mr. X doesn't expect us to hang up his suits properly as she tosses them on the bed. Mr. X does not expect you to do anything with his belongings. I don't think he thinks you're going to be rifling through his stuff, yes. Bess. <laughs> they notice that there's different sizes so Havelock suggests that there's a whole gang of them and they find a false bottom. So now they have to soak the paper to get the bottom off. Yeah, Nancy wants to very carefully remove the like wallpaper type stuff from the bottom of the trunk. Come back to this trunk over four times. Each time they say they've searched it thoroughly and each time they find more secret compartments. All the way to like the last page. And (laughs) There are so many pages, not just here, but throughout this book about them removing the paper and putting it under the bed to dry and how are they going to put it back in and how are they going to take it off they have to pause to go open the door because nancy thinks she hears someone there there's no one there Mm -hmm. rod well let's get back to the trunk and they find a locked box in that false bottom so they call the captain and he says i'll be right down he always has time for these guys nancy do you trust lou fully captain he's as honest and faithful as a good dutch windmill which is to say yes with my life yeah rod says shall i wake him if he's asleep captain yes it's very important we have a locked box in a guest's chest yeah go wake the guy lou i thought all along there was something funny about that trunk the captain there is (laughs) nancy smiled and rooted even harder for lou when nelda translated his dutch mutterings about how he was going to conquer this difficult lock when it finally comes open the girls tried hard not to shout expressing their delight in hushed tones the captain insists that nancy open the bag that they find you're the one who is solving this mystery you open it george says i don't believe it if you don't believe it that's treasure nancy insists each person open a different pouch because there's lots of pouches we all get our hands dirty Mm -hmm. everyone opens a pouch. (laughs) We're all complicit. Prove that you're not an undercover cop. Yep. The captain is like, well, that proves it. There's no question about it. People were smuggling jewelry to the United States. Yep. That's it. You don't put something in a false bottom otherwise. Yep. So even though they can't identify any of these jewels as stolen, it's already decided. Yeah. So the captain says, Rod will stuff his pocket with pouches (laughs) and I'll stuff mine. Good plan, Cap. And they're just going to walk back to the captain's room and put it in the safe. When they leave, Nancy thinks of Lou and says what a nice man he is and to think I was once suspicious of him. As the captain and Rod leave Nancy mentions that they don't want the paper to wrinkle or shrink because if so it would be a dead giveaway should the suspect locate the trunk and examine it. Best then we'd really be in trouble. If the people get their trunk isn't the first thing they're gonna check their jewels and when they're not there they will know you were in there they're not gonna say like oh the jewels aren't here but the paper's fine so as they're drifting off to sleep Bess says I'd love to own just one or two of those jewels then we have a cute teasing scene where Bess says I dare you to send one of these mouse pics to your friend Bert 
George, I never want him to see me like that. Why not? You won first prize. George calls herself the funniest looking creature on board. Hardly something you want to advertise to your boyfriend. boyfriend. Oh, it's official. Yep, yep. Don't tell Tubby. On the way back to the captain's quarters, Rod and the captain are met by two masked men who say one of the best things I've ever heard. We know Nancy Drew has put you up to something. What's in your pockets? Luckily, they only leave Rod and the captain with some black and blue marks. You mentioned that you imagined Rod and the captain were just stuffed so full of their pockets. Yes, they're just like they can barely walk. Just dropping diamonds the whole way. <laughs> Rod tells Nancy on the phone, I'm spending the rest of the night with the captain. You're shipping him. Yeah, I am. Nancy wants to go look for clues right now. And Rod is like, oh no, don't do that. That's stupid. You were just mugged by people who hate me? Let me go there. Yeah. Nancy suddenly was conscious stricken and realizes she's keeping Havelock on the phone. Asking questions like, do they wear gloves? How about <laughs> shoes? She says, I'll be in touch as she's hanging up, which I think is such a funny comment. Yes, you practically stalk him, Nancy. Yeah, you'll be in touch. The man has become your errand boy. Nancy has a fitful sleep. She has a nightmare about a diamond that gets bigger and bigger and fills up a chair. And she wants to call to her friends, but her voice is just not, it's gone. But she wakes up and she says, next time I'll probably dream about a killer ruby. And since she can't sleep, she decides to go looking for clues. She finds a paper with a bracelet drawn on it. Wow, what a find. She's eager to go back to her room to examine it under a magnifying glass. She also finds a shred of mask. The cleaning man has unhelpful and unwanted advice. <laughs> it is too early for you to be up. When she looks at the paper under the magnifying glass, she realizes it says Longstreet on it. This clue doesn't matter. They pretend like all the clues matter. The Not clues don't do. matter. The only thing that matters is the stuff they keep finding in the trunk. It's just the trunk. Now it's time for a ping pong break. And Nelda hustles them some more. Kills it. The onlookers clap. Nancy decides the trunk probably holds some more secrets. And a kid comes around the corner. Boo! Boo says, says Bobby. Bobby. And they proceed to humor him by chasing him around until they're just sick of it. And then George says, take off that mask. When he finally does, they discover a cute looking red haired freckled boy with mischievous eyes. Nancy, I think you should give it to me. You'd be a lot safer without it. And they end up having to pay him a quarter, which Nancy is very amused by, thinking how smart this kid is. But George is pretty impatient. And as the kid runs away, he's like, ha ha, I made you pay. And George calls him a little brat. What a brat. Nancy's friends want to go do something fun. And she says, I'd like to play a little game. It's called Find Out How This Mask Got Here. It, that feels so passive aggressive. Especially since it's all cast. Capitalized. Nelda wants to review the mystery. We so rarely get a wrap up of what's happened so far, but Nelda seems to be a better detective than Nancy because she puts it all in, in little points for us. Yeah, this is kind of the intermission and they remind us what's happened so far. To recap, not a lot. Rod says to Nancy, every time I see you, you have a new clue to offer. And that's because Nancy goes to Rod when she finds yeah, a clue. Yeah, when I have a clue, I yeah. go to you. Rod also found a clue, bathrobes and slippers. Unfortunately, it's another clue that ended in a blank. The girls all decide they want to go suntan and Nancy was a little disappointed. She wants to do more mystery. Nancy is too ADHD to lay down for long. Instead, finds Otto and his friend and decides maybe she can eavesdrop on them. Eavesdrop on their finger language. 
Rod has told her by now that there are no deaf people on board, but she sees them sign her name again. And she was thunderstruck. She makes out crew can end next. That's right. She extrapolates. Also, this phrase ends up being unrelated to anything on this ship or anything we ever know about. Remember, no clue matters except what they find in the trunk. (laughs) But she is more suspicious than ever of Otto August. When she comes back, Bess says, we were all worried about you. They had played the mask game while she was gone. They played that napkin game without her because while her friends were suntanning and asleep, Nancy had gone, asked Rod for napkins, who told her to go ask somebody else who was like relieved that she only wanted used napkins and didn't care if they were new oh and nancy checked the wind to make sure it was the exact same as the hour as when the mask would have been thrown over and then she just drops this bag off next to george and george and her friends do the work for her while she's off eavesdropping and to be clear the work is to throw the napkins from various places on the ship and see which one lands where the mask was found. And eventually they find out where the mask was thrown from, which leads to nothing. Nothing. No clue matters. Nope. Bess says, obviously they know you're an amateur detective. And Nancy says, maybe so. Nelda giggles as they're trying to decide why the men threw their mask, but not their bathrobes. Maybe they weren't wearing any clothes underneath. All right, calm yourself, Nelda. They go back to their room and it's in shambles. It's been destroyed. It's like someone had a party in here. Her first theory gets pretty quickly discarded. Could that troublemaker Bobby have done this? (laughs) Then she reasoned and immediately dismissed the thought. (laughs) Their second search of the trunk leads to more more stuff. Heinrich? Feels very badly that he let their room get robbed. I don't think a steward's supposed to do that. I guess he's kind of like a security guard. I guess he feels badly that he has to clean it up. I mean, that's his job. (laughs) The maid, kind of. What they find next in this trunk is a a jewel of a whole different level. Stolen data of diamond mines. Have these letters and documents been stolen by the same people (laughs) who put the jewels in the mystery trunk? Or did the girls now now have another mystery to solve what I, who else how would they have <laughs> do you have two people putting stuff in the same tr- it's the same trunk they bought the trunk didn't know the stolen papers were inside no Was... it's the same people it's the same freaking people like, is it a timeshare on a <laughs> trunk no <laughs> oh boy Nancy packs these papers up in a beach bag, Mm -hmm. wants it to look like she's going swimming, brings Havelock along for protection, and tries to bring these papers to the captain. Now, we know these are secret, top secret papers. Nelda read the Dutch on them. Yeah. Wait, was it Dutch? Yes. And they're like, how do you know they're top secret? She's like, uh, it's written on every page. We find out they're about a diamond mine in Johannesburg, which politics, I don't don't know. I don't want to touch it. So they're going around the corner inconspicuously. A little snotty kid comes around the corner. It's Bobby. And he says, have a lock, arm lock, have a lock, arm lock. 
And they blush so red. Rod takes it as an opportunity. He quickly says, Miss Nancy Drew, may I put an arm lock on you? Which is, I guess, just like linking arms. I think so. It's nothing too sexy. But it can be very gentlemanly. I think it's a good feeling. The captain says, Nancy, you have done a wonderful job of sleuthing. So Nancy goes back to that spot that she's seen Otto and his friend at and is disappointed to find nobody there. She chides herself, how could I expect them to be here? every time I come. It's your book, Nancy. Yeah. And they are pretty much always there. Yeah. This time they're not, but only because there's clues there. Yeah, they <laughs> they had to leave uh, so their clues could be swept up. She finds a piece of paper. It says Dan. Meaningless. Dead end. Dan's an upstanding guy. There's only one Dan on the whole ship. He's an upstanding guy. We get countless pages wasted on this. And I want to be clear. The paper says Dan in pictures of finger language. I'd forgotten that. Yeah. That's so funny. Dan has all the letters from Nancy Drew. She does go back and finds a newspaper that has a section cut out of it. So she's like, oh, this might be important. He surely, it was surely Otto who cut this out. Mm-hmm. So she goes to the library, says, can I have the paper? They're like, we don't have that. Luckily, another person in the library is like, oh, you can have mine. I already read it. While she's waiting, she takes note of an interesting book, Life of a Waterfront Detective. Is, it, is that just like a nod to the fact that we're reading this book? Mm-hmm. She finds out that the thing that Otto clipped out was like an ad for selling jewelry. Ah! Yeah, what ah, a clue. Well, maybe this jewelry that he's stolen, he's gonna sell. And not, what, eat? She goes back to the room, finds out all her friends went to play ping pong. George is playing ping pong in a tournament. But first, go see Lou the locksmith. He has something to show you. So she goes to Lou, and he's like, I was brought a briefcase to fix that had the same exact lock. And she's like, oh, great. What a great clue. Uh, Who brought you that? And he's like, I don't know. They didn't tell me. This clue implies that this gang of finger language jewel thieves buy their locks in bulk (laughs) and then put them on their various belongings they are rare and complicated locks top of the line locks very strange and if you were this big of a like smuggler you you might want some pretty nice locks how do you install a lock on a and just hope that the captain isn't dishonest and decides he can just break into your locks right yeah Hope that Lou isn't on the ship. Yeah, they they didn't count on Lou. (laughs) The man Lou describes looks like Otto's friend, not Otto. The suitcase did have the initials OA. OA. So she decides he had his friend do it, but forgot his initials were on the briefcase. I so often forget my initials. (laughs) Rod and Nancy decide it's time to bring that big trunk back to the hold. Nancy now realizes they're going to arrive soon in America. She's going to need to come up with a plan for making sure these smugglers get picked up. Captain talks to Nancy and he says, There's an old saying about a person who doesn't let any grass grow under his feet. I'd apply this to you, except there isn't a blade of grass on this ship. I've made sure of it. (laughs) I just think it's such a funny thing to say. Yeah, it's very strange. Nancy reveals all of her plans for what they're going to do when they land to make sure these guys get justice. And Captain Detweiler, quote, thought her whole plan was good. They also have connected the case to Hans August, who is Otto August's brother, as it turns out. I love when the captain is like, you may have given them their best clue in their investigation of who stole these papers. And she's like, I did? How? So we might have accidentally uncovered an industrial espionage ring of international dimensions? (laughs) Such a mouthful. Huh. (laughs) 
Well, I'm going to go play tennis. Back at the cabin, Nancy tells the girls about the espionage, about the international dimensions, about everything. Nelda's very complimentary. She says, oh, you girls are wonderful. George, who did not like obvious compliments, immediately changed the subject. Anyone hungry? I'm not comfortable. There they are, just strolling around the deck, when out of the blue they see Bobby skillfully riding his skateboard. Such a Bart Simpson moment. And all of a sudden he swerves, almost like it's intentional, and hits them, almost injuring them, hurting them a little bit. You bad boy! (laughs) Nelda scolded angrily. They stop Bobby. He right away is like, they put me up to it. Who, Who did? The funny men. What funny men? Oh, you know, those two guys who do silly things with their fingers. Oof. Yeah, I'm glad good. I'm glad I know what he's talking about. Then Bobby just takes off and Nancy says, oh, I guess we better go get him. He might be helpful. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why. Uh, yeah. So they go scoop him up. He doesn't want to go with them to confront these men. He says they might hurt me and think I'm a tattletale. And I think that's very valid. But no, no, because Nancy basically drags him by the scruff of his neck <laughs> and is like, are these the men, Bobby? And Otto denies everything. He says, I never told you to hurt the girls just to tease them, which makes no sense. It's almost worse. It is worse. I mean, I he think. literally paid the kid a quarter to, mm-hmm. what, tease some teenage girls? Bobby stands up for himself and says that's not what happened. Otto calls him a wicked little liar. I love the idea that these international jewel thieves are like, I think we're in a prank war with these teens. <laughs> they keep trying to catch us for being jewel thieves. We should have a kid hit him with a skateboard. Nancy and Nelda were puzzled. Who was telling the truth, August or Bobby? What, Bobby? What are you talking Obviously. about? They get to dinner. They're supposed to have a date with the boys. They have invitations at their plates. But for some reason, the boys have staggered all the date times. First, Nancy is invited to meet Al at the deck at 9 o'clock. Nelda is invited to see Chipper at 9.10. Bess invited to see Bruce at 9.20. And George feels that there's something wrong. (laughs) They must be playing a joke on us, George decided. I'm supposed to see Tubby. Well, George, (laughs) maybe that's just what you ended up with. George shows some concern and says, I don't want to ruin the boys' surprise. And Nancy's like, too bad. Me and Nelda are going together. Because this could be another hoax. Yeah, but as soon as they get there, they see two men dressed up funny and decide it's just the boys being funny. Specifically dressed as fishermen with stocking masks. (laughs) The girls laughed. Which of the boys had thought up this clever disguise? Only when the fishermen pulled them close to the railing did Nancy and Nelda realize that these people were not their friends and that they intended to throw both the girls overboard. Yeah, these fishermen come up, they bow first. Mm-hmm. So I guess keeping up the the weird ruse that they're teenage boys. And then they pick these girls up like sacks of flour and just toss them over. Yeah, Nancy thinks, oh, they mustn't. But they do. Like, all the boys and girls have, in the meantime, figured out something's wrong. They run out just in time to see these guys falling, and Al wants to jump in after them. Bess is paralyzed with fright. George makes the phone calls, and they convince Al, don't jump in. That's a bad idea. Bad idea. Nancy and Nelda are expert swimmers, and had twisted their bodies to dive correctly into the ocean. I've been on a cruise ship. And that railing is so high off the water. Hitting that water is going to be so much worse than having to swim in it. But there's there's danger once <laughs> you're in the water, I'm too. so excited for this. Nancy wonders, could there be a shark on the prowl? Or worse, a floating log might ram into her and Nelda. <laughs> the the log. log is back! Oh, I love 
love it. Oh, it's been a while. When they're rescued, the officer's like, how'd you fall? And Nancy indignantly, fall? We were thrown. Officer, what? Who would do a thing like that? Well, it's a long story. And she basically tells this officer everything. Yeah, we have mysterious enemies on board. So Nancy and Nelda are brought up with hundreds of people watching them. They agree to stay in the infirmary overnight for, like, observation. But then Nancy realizes she has another 2 a.m. date with Rod. Nelda is woken up by this and also leaves. Rod shows up and he says, you girls have made a lightning recovery. You're amazing. They decide to track down the owner of the shoes they identified. One of the fishermen who threw them overboard was wearing a leather pair of turned up Dutch wooden shoes. Only one man on board has these shoes that Rod knows of. Another insane dead end as we find (laughs) out that the crew member who owns these leather Dutch shoes received a note under his door asking to borrow them so he left them outside his door for someone to borrow. I mean it's great customer service the guests are always happy but it's weird that they're giving up their shoes for this. So they go back to the trunk. Of course there's more in the trunk. They look on the side, take off more paper carefully, and there's a velvet envelope of some sort full of different jewelry, but still nothing that Nelda recognizes. This is after Nancy made it clear that there's no way there's anything more in this trunk. There is always something more in this trunk. It is made of stolen goods. Nelda says, I can't believe it. I just can't believe it. So you know this is more really nice stuff. So they call the captain and he says, I'll be right down. George points out that the best way to get the guy arrested is to when he tries to claim the trunk, he'll have to say, hey, this is mine. And then furthermore, he'll have to unlock it with his keys, which will prove that it's his trunk since this is such a rare lock. If he unlocks it, then he's going to jail. And Nancy says, good thinking. Let's forget about the paper. As a matter of fact, let's rip it all out just to make sure we didn't miss anything. So like, yeah, that was a lot of wasted time (laughs) and effort. (laughs) So then they hear a knock on the door. If the person who had knocked was not the captain, they would be prepared because they're all going to answer the door together. We cannot get one door opening in this whole book without a whole litany of how it may or may not be who they expect. (laughs) Captain, in all my voyages back and forth across the ocean, I have never encountered a mystery as outrageous as this one. Does he have a lot of mysteries? (laughs) Is that a thing? Is being on an ocean liner like being on a train where there's just like murders every once in a while? This pouch of jewelry is too long for the captain's pocket. (laughs) So Nancy suggests he have someone bring him a safe deposit box. Then she wraps it in a towel for him. So he looks like he's just carrying a very long towel back to his room. Oh, there goes the captain with his long towel. (laughs) Makes sense to me. Rod scolds Nancy. I thought you were going to bed. And Nancy says, I never would have forgiven myself if we missed all these jewels. As Nancy and Rod are bringing the trunk to the hold, Nancy says, it seems lighter. Rod says, it is. It is. (laughs) Well, well reasoned, Nancy. This is their romantic goodbye. Rod whispers, 
I've enjoyed working with you. In my opinion, you're one of the cleverest sleuths in the world. I'll miss playing detective with you, Nancy. The girl smiled and whispered back, If I ever travel on the Wienschulten <laughs> again, I'll see if I can dig up a good mystery for you to solve with me. I feel like she just missed Entirely the point. Entirely <laughs> missing the point. Like, not like, we'll spend time together or I'll write you. Just like, yeah, you did help me solve a mystery. <laughs> and if I ever need you to do it again, I'll make sure you do. Al is terribly sorry that he couldn't jump into the water and save her. And they all have breakfast together. And then they all said they hoped they could have a reunion sometime. And they sure don't. I don't think they care, no. So right then, Ned phones. My dad bought a station wagon. <laughs> So I can pick you all up from the boat. It's still a lot of people for one and car. And a lot of luggage, including big brass trucks. Because he's bringing Bert and Dave. Mm -hmm. I guess they're going to tie Bess on top. I don't know. <laughs> don't worry, Nancy. We're going to come as close as they allow us to. In my dad's station wagon. A dark turn. Uh-oh. Nell defines that the bracelet she had been wearing the <laughs> night she went overboard was missing. <laughs> so, like, yeah, it's in the ocean. Bess helpfully says, oh dear, I hope you haven't lost it. I specifically have. That's what and, I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> and yeah, if you go overboard and you're like, oh, my shoes are gone. My bracelet's gone. My glasses are gone. Those things are in the ocean. They live there now. But even though it's not valuable, it was from her grandma who is now dead. Heinrich shows up and returns it to her. Uh, the steward proves his innocence. Complete innocence, even. By returning a valueless piece of jewelry. <laughs> Enamel flowers. He, they now know that he's done nothing wrong. Nancy decides, I think I won't even bother with breakfast. And Nancy and Nilda eat the meal of the book. The rest of the crackers in this box. Meal of the book. <laughs> Unless you count the meatballs. <laughs> Nancy and Nilda. It seemed as if their wait was interminable. They didn't like waiting. Mm -mm. But finally they got off that boat. But the FBI stopped them. Stop your smuggling, you two girls. Nancy, this is a dreadful mistake, and I think I know who's behind it. So she tells the FBI man everything. The FBI man whistled. You made quite a discovery. Go ahead with your story, please. Now, we're calling him the FBI man rather than his name, mm. because his name is Carson. Very confusing. What? That's not helpful, book. <laughs> That's already a character. Mm -hmm. Especially since her dad does not show up in this one at all, even a little bit. And as proof, she leads the FBI to the luggage, points to the two brass trunks that look alike. See, these trunks look alike. <laughs> You're right, Carson admitted. She had him. Well, we better go over there so August doesn't see us when he comes. So August comes and he says, very certainly, this is my trunk. Do you have a claim check? Of course. But the trunk has no identification. I have the key for it. Here, I'll prove it to you. So as they're arresting Otto, Nancy has an idea. Mm -hmm. She says, officer, and she grabs one of the false beards from the trunk. And she says, put this disguise on that man. <laughs> Which leads Nelda to say, wait a minute. That's the guy who stole the jewelry, whose wife accused me of stealing the jewelry. He's, that's his beard at least. That's his, at least it's his beard. <laughs> so Nancy's like, aha, uh -huh. if this is the guy who's a jewel thief and he is accused you of stealing a bracelet, I have an idea. I think there might be a fourth hidden thing in that brass box. Take off the hinges. And he protests, I insist you stop wrecking my trunk, making it even more obvious that it is his trunk. <laughs> And as they pop off one of the brass corners of the box, there it is. 
the very diamond bracelet that Nelda had been accused of stealing. The I, one that was in her pocket. The one that was in her pocket. <laughs> that was slipped into her pocket by his accomplice. How did he get it? And how does it prove anything? I oh, Well, her name is cleared. Carson, the FBI man, has an idea for a new title for this book. We'll dub it the Finger Language Gang Heist. No. Please don't, Carson. No. Don't dub it that. So Nancy's like, I have one more question. What was that crew necklace thing about? August mumbles. That had nothing to do with the Winschulten. That's it. Yeah. Nothing to do with it. Directly on the other side of the visitor's fence stood three smiling boys. There they are. The girls received warm hugs and kisses. Ned, being told what happened, says, It doesn't surprise me. Wherever Nancy goes, intrigue follows. And the girls wondered, would they ever have a roommate who would give them such an exciting time again? Especially one that started out as a stranger. Well, they'll soon find out In more the... about mysteries <laughs> as the... Nancy looks forward. The mystery at the moss-covered mansion. That'll be next time. Until then, I'm Carl. And I'm Hope. Go. Wait, 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 wait a minute. Wait Something's a minute. Something's been bothering me. What happened to those stickers? Why weren't there stickers on the brass trunk? That makes no sense. Uh, oh, Nancy had an idea. Who would have removed the stickers just to cause some confusion? Bobby. <laughs> and just like that, Bobby skateboards up and says, And you're right. Ha ha! <laughs> meep meep! Walks off swinging his skateboard. Not a worry in the world. Well, Bobby, there's one thing I have to say to you. Go, Go Wildcats! to have a special episode about this video game sometime i have a we have a there's a host of video games we can um oh i don't know put them on our patreon remember to support us at our patreon <laughs> you can email us at riverheightsradio at google.com or find our patreon River Heights Radio. we'd really appreciate it instagram at river heights radio twitter at river heights fm River Heights Radio on Facebook and River Heights Radio on YouTube. Uh, and give us a review or five stars on uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher or wherever you're listening. Yeah, if you listen this far, I mean, why not? We actually put a, a lot of hours 